Hey everybody, you're listening to Living Theology with the Luby Brothers, a podcast dedicated to understanding and living out the gospel. The gospel that brings us to God and transforms us into the image of his son, Jesus Christ. We are your hosts, Doug, Greg, and Mark Luby. continuing in our series on passages of scripture that is significant to us and today we actually have a special guest Paul Peterson with us so you guys are all in Orlando right now is that right yeah we're all in Orlando for the national staff conference for the navigators nice and then I'm in Boulder and uh, so I got to talk to both Doug Greg and Paul today and so Doug can you introduce who Paul is why we're having him on the show and a little bit about his influence in your life. Then Greg and I can share a little bit about his influence in our life. Yeah. So Paul was one of my groomsmen and was in his wedding. And he's been a close friend now for all of us since college. So I met Paul when he was a freshman and I was an RA in the dorms. And we pretty instantly became really good friends. Our second discipleship meeting as he was in my bible study we got together we got cookie dough out of a basement freezer and was talked for four hours yeah it was an abandoned <laughs> dining hall that i used to work in but it was yeah, I mean, it was a pretty fun and since that freshman year it's been really sweet to see paul grow and then increasingly just become a buddy and a partner in the gospel whose opinion i really appreciated him challenged by and now fun to see him as a dad of two kids just a couple of days ago got to meet his second daughter just started crying thinking about wow paul's a dad it's just excited about who he is and what that looks like and i mean obviously we all love talking about the bible with him but just appreciating him as a man and a friend and excited that he gets to join us here yeah Greg, what about for you? Yeah, Paul and I lived together for one year, right? Mm-hmm. I think one year. And that was a lot of fun. And I think he's just been a good friend. And uh, just like Doug, he was in my wedding as well, and I was in his, which is just uh, definitely an honor. And I think one thing I really appreciate about Paul is just his heart of humility towards God and uh, specifically even towards the Word of God. It's just a desire to really submit to the Word, shape his life around the Word, and um see what the word says in its entirety and not to um, read his own thoughts into it but really just yeah having a humble heart before the Lord in that and I think of Isaiah where it says God says this is one I esteem he was humble and contrite in heart and trembled at my word I think that's something I really see in Paul's life uh, trembling at the word of God something I really appreciate it's something that we want for all of our lives it's just a blessing to have friends that model that that we can learn from and encourage each other in it yeah so paul's somebody like that you guys are like that for me too so it's just encouraging thanks doug paul i met you when i was actually still in high school and you were in college at the time and i think instantly with doug being like a brother to you you were like a brother to me and so that was a <laughs> blessing going into college and Having having that time with you, I remember we took a we took world musics together at one point. Also, oh, that's right. <laughs> I had you as as a Bible study leader, mm-hmm. which was awesome. 
Uh, at one point, you made a Bible study that was the most intense Bible study we've maybe <laughs> ever done. How many chapters would you sometimes have us read in a single week? Uh, 30 to 40 chapters. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it, was, it was incredible. Read or listen to. Um, I think since then, your Bible studies have scaled back a little bit. A little bit. A little bit. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that was awesome. One thing I appreciate about you is you're one of the few people who I can ask any theological question to at any moment without warning, and you'll answer. I was trying to think of what theological questions I've asked you, and I think one of them that I probably asked you out of the blue was, is the scripture primarily about the glory of Christ or the glory of God within the Trinity? (laughs) And and it may have been like a false dichotomy, but uh, (laughs) I just appreciate that I can ask you questions like that at any point. And then I'm grateful that you're in Boulder. A lot of mm-hmm. a lot of people have moved on, but I still have a number of people who are in Boulder after I've graduated and who are there. And it's a blessing to have you and your wife Amy and your kids in Boulder <laughs> and to be at church together. So I'm really grateful for that and for your yeah, just your example and faith and encouragement that you are to all of us. So yeah, yeah thanks, like, Mark. <laughs> yeah, thank you all of you guys. <laughs> um, <laughs> I I feel really honored to be included on this. Um, I think one of the images that stands out in my mind when I think about your guys' impact on my life, um, I mean, there's something unique about each of you, um, but there was this one time we were at a staff conference in Colorado Springs. Um, Doug, I think you had recently got back from Malaysia. Yeah. Um, Greg, you were, it was either, I, I don't remember exactly the year, but Mark, you came down because they were all going to be um, there together. Um, it was like the first night and it was like the first time you guys had seen each other or something like that. And you all just like embraced each other. Um, and I remember looking in on that. Um, I think I was probably at a vulnerable, fragile point at that point of the year. Um, and just looking at you guys love each other. And then you all turned to me and opened up the circle and invited me in. And no joke, um, (laughs) the feeling I got was like, this is like the love of the Trinity. That's just like inviting me into it. (laughs) Um, And honestly, like when I think about God, like that's one of the most tangible images of his love and and how he has uh, invited us into um, the warmth and uh, tenderness and uh, glory of the joy he shares um, within himself. So I really thank you guys for um, viewing me like a brother. Like that's um, that's a gift that I, yeah, I'm so grateful for. And as well, and along with the ways that we just love to engage um, over God's word, I just love that too. Um, so thank you guys. You've you've really had an incredible impact on my life. Thanks, Paul. Sweet. Well, Doug, will you introduce? Uh with Paul, the passage he's going to be sharing and read that for us. Yeah, so Paul's chosen Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. He almost did Philippians 3, but then saw we had already done it, so (laughs) there we go. But Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, 
and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So, Paul, how did this passage become significant in your life? Mm. Uh, so, this passage became significant uh, when I was in high school. Um, most of my life, um, I've just been driven by a desire to achieve um, and be valuable uh, based on what I can do. Um, and I've, I've tried to pursue that in as many places as I could. In high school, I was starting to experience some success in running. Um, I did track and cross country. And um, every year, there's this race in Boulder, Colorado called the Boulder Boulder. Um, I think it's the biggest race in Colorado, like 50, 60,000 people. The whole city shuts down for it. Um, and it was always this, just like, I thought about it all year. Um, and there was one year that they were handing out these boards um, that your you know friends and family could write on and would hold it up as you're running by and you know says go Paul stuff like that. But I grabbed one of those for myself after the race and took it home. Um, and I, I grew up going to church, um, but the way that I thought about integrating things like running and my faith was really more God was there to help me. He was there to cheer me on. He was there to make my dreams come true and and become this all-star runner that I always wanted to be. So uh, I remember, I don't know whether I used the internet or how I found it, um, but I basically just searched the scriptures for verses about running. Um, and there's there's a few. Um, one's in Isaiah. Um, you know, they'll mount up like uh, eagles. They will run without, you know, faint and stuff like that. I was like, okay, maybe that's good. And then there's Hebrews 12, 1 through 2. And I ended up writing out Hebrews 12, 1 through 2 on this this poster board. Um, and I put it next to my bed, surrounded that, that poster board with all of the race bibs from every race that I had done. Um, and so here's, it's kind of ironic. You know, so here's this scripture um, on this board surrounded by my past successes and failures and races. Um, and I wanted this to be like a life verse, um, but not because it directed me to God, um, to glorify him, to worship him, to live for him. Um, but I wanted it to be inspiration uh, for me in my desire to achieve glory as a runner. Yeah. So that's really how I thought about this verse and how I used it. It's like, yeah, keep, keep running. Um, <laughs> but it's really like, yeah, run towards my own goal, my own prize. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Um, for those of you that don't know Paul, he is an excellent runner. So he had probably the best excuse for missing Bible study that I've heard. Because uh, it was his freshman year. He's like, Doug, I'm not going to be here next week. Oh, what's happening? I'm going to be in Europe. I'm on the U.S. men's mountain running team. <laughs> oh, okay. Or sometimes we'd meet up and Paul would be sweating. Think, Did you go for a run? Oh, just a little run. How far? 21 miles. Oh, okay. <laughs> but Paul, with as great of a runner as you were, it's still not a great place to find your identity. No. Where, where did that begin to crack as a pl- if you're gonna run for your identity? Right. How did that fall short? Yeah. Um. You know, even if you're the best in the world, like you're Usain Bolt or something like that, running's still not a great place to place your identity. Um. But no matter what level I achieved, um, I was never satisfied. I was never full. Mm-hmm. I remember the first time that I made it to the world championships, we were running in Switzerland. Um, I mean, in that making it there should be an achievement of itself. 
Um, I've always wanted to find this picture. I know I have it somewhere, but I have a picture of me finishing the race. Um, and I just look destroyed. Um, uh, and not because the, ra- uh, the race was incredibly hard. It was up a mountain. Um, but uh, <laughs> what I was feeling in that moment was I failed. Um, and like the team that I was on that year, like uh, <laughs> it was the closest that a U.S. team had gotten to getting on the podium at this event. Um, and so I was on this great team. I didn't do, I didn't really do poorly. I was, I mean, competing at the world level and I was just utterly disappointed. Um, and I would imagine that maybe I'd feel good if I won the race, but I know that even then I still like the next day I would have still woken up and gone for a run. (laughs) Um, you just, you can't rest. And I think that's, that's one of the things that I think about, um, as my life was consumed by this, uh, desire and orienting it around running. Um, I lived a very fragile life. Um, you know, an injury, sickness, um, it, like anything could threaten uh, the value that I was seeking from running. And so it was just a, a fragile, unsafe life that I was living. So how did you go from the picture that you had of this passage to what you now think the passage is about? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and maybe not just think it's about, but what it's actually about. Right. Um, <laughs> I mean, there are quite a few things just from a, a big picture level. It wasn't, you know, only um, in the book of Hebrews, um, but there's a lot that was going on um, that God was just revealing in my life, what I really was living for, um, as well as how I tended to approach the scriptures. Um, when I live for something other than God, the way that I would use the scriptures is j- just for inspiration. Like, how can I use this to benefit myself? I wasn't really searching for God in the scriptures. I wasn't trying to know him. Um, I was just trying to get value out of something else and if the scripture could help me then awesome otherwise and it really uh study and live by the word um so there's a lot that you know doug you were really instrumental in that i remember the first time that we did talk about philippians 3 in your room um like that was a, a really significant moment in that and uh you sharing from your own life and then challenging me to think about like what are the things that i try to gain human approval from mm-hmm. um and how do I count those as loss? So there are many moments like that that we're working along with this, as well as just learning to actually study the scriptures and not get out of it what I want to get out of it, um, mm. but to really let God speak his word into my life. Um, so the first significant time that I studied the book of, book of Hebrews, um, four years ago now, um, we, we decided to do it um, on our campus because uh, we, we wanted to get into the Old Testament and uh, from, from a way that help people understand it and open up and see, you know, what is God doing over the course of the whole scriptures um, and the history of redemption. Hebrews is a great way into that. Um, so that was the first time that I really studied the book of Hebrews in depth. Is that um, when you memorized it, Paul? Yes, <laughs> that was uh, the first year I memorized that. I was... Um, my now my my now wife I was dating her at the time and so uh, it was about a two hour drive one way to where she lived in Wyoming and uh, I'd often go there on the weekends and just on the way there and back I'd just memorize the Book of Hebrews. It's good practice. <laughs> um, yeah, so that was the first time that I studied Hebrews and was starting to see some of these concepts that um, I really hadn't sought the meaning of the Scripture I just had applied my own meaning to it. 
um, and God was reworking how I thought about um, Christ, how I thought about the Old Testament. Um, and then I also got to study it again, um, let's see, a year ago in the fall, I took a course on Hebrews uh, as my fifth Greek class um, at Dallas Theological Seminary. Um, I got to teach it by a Hebrew, Hebrews scholar, um, Dr. Boost Fanning. Absolutely amazing. He's got a commentary coming out soon that's really, really great. Um, so I took that course and then created a Bible study as my final project because um, I was just like, I want to open up this book for people however I can um, and got to spend 10 to 20 hours a week in Hebrews over the summer um, at our summer training program with a group of students. Um, so God's just been continually and graciously showing me his meaning in this book as a whole, and especially in this verse that I used very incorrectly for quite a while. Yeah, so can you just share what you do see in this passage and what specifically started resonating with you in a new way? Yes. Um, <laughs> without getting too much into the rest of Hebrews, um, obviously, you know, this verse starts with a therefore. Um, so I'd feel terrible if I didn't say anything about what came before. Um, Hebrews chapter 11 is a really popular chapter in the Bible. You, you get to see these examples um, of Old Testament saints who um, by faith looked forward um, with the, the faithfulness of God um, and trusted in his promises and took risks in their life by faith. Um, and the author is giving us these examples in chapter 11 as a means of encouragement to keep enduring in the present. Um, that the life of, of faith for a Christian requires perseverance. And we ought to know that from the beginning um, so that as it gets hard, um, we're, we're implementing habits in our life now that allow us to really persevere to the end. Um, so chapter 11 is this incredible, um, you know, anthology of these Old Testament saints um, as a means of encouragement for us in the present, um, which was, you know, the author's audience in the first century. Um, so it's, it's with uh, this, this verse, verses one and two are kind of a hinge passage between chapter 11 um, and 12, three through 14, probably. That's how I would divide it up. Um uh, maybe 12, 13, I don't know. Anyways, um, so it's kind of this hinge passage. And so that's what he means when he says, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, those witnesses he's referring to are those, uh, these saints who in a sense, their example is, um, a witness to us of the kind of faithfulness and, um, enduring faithfulness the author is calling his audience to, as well as us. And he says, let us also just like they did lay aside every weight and sin, which clings so closely. Um, and a, a weight here, um, the author is differentiating between weight and sin. I think there's a really practical uh, piece in here. A weight is like a burden or an impediment. So if I were to, when I was mountain running, if I were to add weight into my shoes, that would like, that's a burden. That doesn't help me run the race. Maybe it helps me train, but it doesn't help me in the race. So those are things that won't help me in the race. They're not necessarily evil things, um, but they, they don't help. And then there's sin, um, which obviously is bad, but the <laughs> sin that the author is describing here when he says it clings so closely, um, it's something, it's a sin that's easily ensnaring. Hmm. Um, so it, in a sense, it's, it's a, something that may be personal to you. Um, so not just sin as a big, vague concept, but like, what's the sin that you easily fall into? What's the sin that clings to you, that 
um, like like Paul describing some of his own struggles, pleading with the Lord to remove them from him, and yet the Lord had sovereignly decided not to. Um, so that I, not necessarily that maybe that's the exact same thing the author is talking about, but there's sin that clings more easily than mm. others. Mm. Um, that, that keeps us from running this race with per- perseverance. So the author, the main thing he's saying is let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. And then he describes the way in which we do that. So we do that by looking to Jesus. And then the next part, he describes the, the quality of Jesus who we're looking to. And he describes him as the founder and perfecter of our faith. Um, and this is in the ESV. I think there's only maybe two translations that pick a different word um, that I think does mean something different when he talks about Jesus as the founder of our faith. So in Greek, um, this word can mean the originator of something. Um, So in the way that like an author writes a book and they are the origin of something that, um, you know, no one else has done or, or something like that. And I think that's a right way to think about Jesus and what he does for our salvation. Of course, Jesus is the founder of our salvation. He's the one who accomplishes it. Um, and yet, I don't think that's the only thing that the author wants us to say here, um, or want, wants us to see here. The, the The book as a whole in Hebrews, it's, it's about endurance and perseverance. That's the practical side of the book that the author is trying to um, uh, bring about in his audience that's struggling to see their confession of faith as something they should hold on to. Um, The idea of endurance here is pretty amazing. I think even if we think, oh, we can just confess Jesus and we're good for life. mm -hmm. Hebrews is like getting hit in the face by an entire bucket of ice water. There's like a really helpful encouragement to continue. Right. And not just take that for granted. Yeah. 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 Um, so the other sense that we see uh, the Greek word for founder being used um, is in this idea of more like a pioneer or a trailblazer. So it's, um, I, I grew up uh, snowshoeing and cross-country skiing with my dad. And the one of the images I have of, the, I think captures this word, um, is my dad, who was bigger than me, I was very small, and would easily get bogged down by the snow if you know we're going out in the woods and so no one's gone there before so my dad is blazing a trail for me to follow behind mm-hmm. so my dad is the one who's really doing the work um you know he's the one who's making the path that allows me to follow in that same path behind him where he's going um and i think sometimes and I, I wrestled with this, you know, for a long time. We often hear um, in the church, in our Bible studies and that sort of thing, um, we are saved by grace and not works. And that's entirely true. But oftentimes, um, what we're really focusing on is the uh, the kind of legal side of our justification. That the debt, is, the debt of sin is entirely forgiven by mm-hmm. what Christ has done. That's only part of our salvation. And Hebrews really has the full picture of salvation um, throughout the whole book. Um, It talks about the incredibly better nature of Christ's sacrifice and what that enables for us and the forgiveness that that enables. Um, That's like part one of our salvation. Um, 
part part two is this work that Christ is doing in us uh, to perfect us um, that ultimately we participate in that's leading to um, our our glorification the final part of our salvation um, in which the work Christ is doing in us is completed and we we bear his image in its fullness in our glorified resurrected bodies but in the present um, this is really the probably the main focus of salvation in the book of Hebrews is the life we live now and the life that Christ is calling us to. And so this is why I think it's so important to think of Christ as a trailblazer, not just those one who accomplished salvation, but um, he blazed a trail in order for us to follow him, not to be saved, um, but because we are saved and we are on this journey of mm. um, ultimate salvation. And so um, one of the really important ways that Hebrews, um, I think, contributes to um, a biblical understanding of Christ is the way in which he experienced humanity. So if Jesus is this trailblazer and he's, he's blazing this path in order for us to, to follow him on, it's, it's a path of perseverance and faithfulness all the way to the end. Um, Jesus actually did that. But if you look at the two places this word is used in the book of Hebrews, it's used here in chapter 12, um, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Um, and then he also uses it in chapter 2. Uh, I'm going to flip back there real quick. Um, he uses it in, the, in where it's not necessarily the main point, but it's, it's there. Um, chapter 2, verse 10 and 11. Well, we'll just do 10. For it was fitting that he, for whom and by whom all things exist, in bringing many sons to glory, so there's that, that full salvation picture at the end, should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. So it's talking about making Jesus, the founder of our salvation, perfect through suffering. It's the same word that the author uses in chapter 12, and I think it also has that same sense of pioneer or trailblazer there. Um, because again, the primary exhortation of the book of Hebrews is to faithful perseverance, um, not just to believe in Christ for salvation. So um, in chapter 2, we see this connection between Jesus becoming uh, perfect, and I'll say more about that maybe later, um, but through suffering. And then as chapter 12 goes on in verse 3, he talks about Jesus again. Consider him, Jesus, who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you've not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And he goes on to, to talk about the discipline of the Lord. Um, and there's this reality that there's this connection between Jesus as our pioneer and trailblazer and suffering. And so if, if the path of faithfulness, of, of faithful endurance, involves suffering, in order for Jesus to be someone who's encouraging to look to as we are uh, continuing to run this race of faithfulness in our life, uh, for myself, I, had, I didn't really have a view of Jesus that made me want to come to him for help. Yeah, Paul, you're saying that Jesus is the trailblazer for us, the founder. Okay, we're supposed to follow him, but he's God. How do we actually follow Jesus? It's yeah. like saying lift a giant rock because Hercules did it. Well, Hercules does it because he's half God and just out of his divine strength. How is the fact that Jesus did this actually an encouragement to me? Yeah, I think that's one of the most important things that we can understand from this book when it comes to our understanding of Christ and his humanity. Um, I remember my sophomore year, Doug challenged me to make a disciple of my own. 
So I started meeting up with this freshman. Um, we were working on memorizing a number of um, Bible verses, and one of them was Hebrews 4, uh, 15 and 16. It says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. I was helping this the, uh, this student with um, just a persistent sin struggle in his life. Um, and I was kind of taught this verse ought to be a means of encouragement to that. And mm-hmm. and he was just like, I, I don't believe it. Like, I don't believe that Jesus actually understands the sin that I'm struggling with because there, like, there's no way that he could. He didn't have the internet. He didn't have his phone. Um, mm-hmm. And I didn't really know what to say to him. I was kind of like, you know, <laughs> it's kind of a good point. And we often think about like, why did Jesus not sin? And oftentimes the response is, well, because he's God. It wasn't hard for him. Yeah, because he's God. Um, and Hebrews does this amazing job of not letting go in any sense of the complete divinity of Christ um, and his eternal nature as the son. Um, while at the same time presenting this um, almost shocking image of Christ's humanity. Um, so there's a couple really significant passages in Hebrews that uh, relate with this. And I'll come back to chapter four. One in chapter two, um, it says that surely it's not the angels that Jesus helps, but he helps the offspring of Abram, Abraham. Like Jesus came for humans. That's significant. Um, Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he's able to help those who are being tempted. So the first thing that this is saying is that Jesus had to be made like his brothers in every respect. So if there was a way in which Jesus didn't share the full humanity of us mm-hmm. as, as humans, fallen humans, then he could not have become a merciful and faithful high priest in the presence of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. Oh. So in order for Jesus to accomplish salvation for us on the cross, as well as what he's doing now and what will, he will do in the future, he had to be made like us in every respect. Which then makes sense that he actually suffered when tempted because right. we suffer when tempted. Exactly. The, the suffering that Jesus experienced was actual suffering. When, when Jesus um, went into the wilderness, when he was tempted, um, you know, and fasted for 40 days and then was tempted, that was actual suffering. It was actual temptation. Um, and, and sometimes I think there's categories of sin. Um, and, and when chapter four says he was tempted in every way as we are, um, he's, the author is not saying that Jesus was tempted by internet pornography. Um, but every kind of sin that is normal for a human or possible for a human to be tempted by, Jesus was. And I think one of the categories we often don't consider was the temptation to sexual immorality that Jesus faced. If it's true, if, if Hebrews is true, then Jesus faced uh, tempta- like temptation sexually. Um, and we often, sometimes it's kind of like, oh, I don't want to go there in thinking about mm-hmm. Jesus. It feels wrong. It feels sinful to even go there. And yet... Mm-hmm when we think about Jesus being actually tempted and suffering in that temptation, but being faithful in that temptation, relying on the Father by the power of the Spirit in ways that we are able to Mm -hmm. um, in Christ and in the Spirit, he persevered in those temptations all the way until the end so that 
he could be a spotless blemish uh, uh, sacrifice without blemish um, so that he could be a high priest who is compassionate because he understands what it's like to be tempted by these things so why this I think is so radical and changed my perspective of, of this verse as well as how we relate with Jesus is that um, I, I can give an example from my life right now too um, I've, I have two kids a two year old and a three month old and um, for whatever reason, um, in these last two years, I've seen uh, a new side of anger emerging um, that I didn't know was there. I also don't want to be there. Um, mm -hmm. And oftentimes I'd be in these moments with a screaming baby in my arms and I just feel this rage coming up inside me. Um, and, you know, you think about like, okay, if I apply Hebrews, um, Jesus is not unable to sympathize with me in that moment. Hmm. That ultimately ought to be a great encouragement, but sometimes we think, well, Jesus didn't have any kids. Like he didn't experience this frustration, but, but Jesus knows what, um, he knows what anger is like and, and the kind of anger that could lead into uh, something terrible, hmm. um, or something that I would absolutely regret as a parent. Um, so he really understands it. And when I do that work of imagining Jesus experiencing the same kind of temptation that I am, then when I come to him, I have the assurance, like chapter four gives, um, that the way that Jesus meets me in that moment is with compassion um, and also grace. So he's mm -hmm. able to give me what I need in that moment because Jesus knew what he needed in the moments that he was tempted. Mm -hmm. So I can actually relate with Jesus on on a whole new level, on, on a human level, I can really think of him as a as a brother who understands what it's like um, to to struggle, to suffer, to be tempted as a human. And so, I think if we don't think of Jesus as completely human, we're not letting go of the fact that he's completely God and, and has that divine nature. Um, but if he's if we have a, a concept of of Jesus that's kind of like, well, yeah, he was human, but he had something special, um, then he becomes not a merciful high priest. He, he becomes someone that we don't want to come to. He becomes someone who we don't look to as a means of encouragement and help when we're tempted and when we suffer because he's not like us. But Hebrews says he was made like us in every respect yeah. so that we could come to him for help. I really like that. I think just what you're saying, Paul, about that Christ really has stood through all of our temptations. And I know for me, one thing that that encourages me in as well is just the idea of as I look at my failures, Christ has stood strong because mm. um, he's the only one, if you look at all of human history, he's the only one who's actually stood through it. Right. Adam, he's the second Adam. Adam fell in the garden. But Jerry Bridges would talk about how um, you see Christ in his perfect obedience in every area of our life that we failed. And so I love that, like that idea of just like that given righteousness, like that is the righteousness that clothes us, but also then the beauty of he's given us his righteousness and now he's paved a trail that we would walk in life with yeah. him. Yeah. And even to the idea that I think we can often view obedience as just difficult or a burden, but even there of like, there's actually a better path mm -hmm. in the footsteps of Christ that salvation brought about by Christ, we do actually live out. Right. Mm -hmm. 
I think what's cool there is that Jesus is the founder, perfect of our faith, the trailblazer, and we can follow him because he actually did live by faith. He actually did depend on the Holy Spirit and seek the Father as a human. So it's also cool looking at this then as the culmination of chapter 11. All these other people that walked by faith, not seeing what was to come, but endured to the end, then let us also looking to Jesus who did it perfectly. Mm-hmm. And none of these people in chapter 11 did it perfectly. None of us will. But Jesus did. And we, like the heroes of the past, can look forward to our hope but we also get to look to jesus in a way that they were looking forward to him but didn't see him like we get to see him now and now we can see jesus who's actually done it and say father would you help me to have faith like jesus help me to walk by the spirit like he did knowing that christ is the one who's done it who's sympathetic with us in our weakness and who is longing to help us get there to the end Mm -hmm. so we can run this race. Yeah, I think it's kind of ironic. And maybe this is just what I've done. But, you know, we've got this list of, in chapter 11, you know, we have, um, uh, like, um, I I always get this mixed up. Is Abel, Abel made a better sacrifice, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we have Abel and Noah and uh, Abraham and Moses and you know, all these incredible examples of faith and we don't put Jesus on the list. Yeah. You know, that's kind of ironic. Like, uh, like, so, you know, there'd be no chapter heading there. And so we wouldn't think, oh, now we're in chapter 12 when we got there. And so I feel like if you, you know, take that out and you're reading through it, it, you should feel like, even though this is the culmination of it, like you were saying, Doug, Jesus is the perfect example. Um, and and just like these other examples of faith that we ought to be encouraged by, Jesus is ultimately more encouraging um, <laughs> because he, he endured faithfully, which makes our salvation possible in the first place. Um, but our faithfulness will not be different than Christ's faithfulness to God. Mm-hmm. Um, how we draw near to God for help, how we engage with the Father through the Spirit, it's not different than, than it was for Jesus. We just talked a lot about what it means for Christ to be human and just opened up maybe a can of worms. It's been (laughs) really significant and confusing and powerful in my life to realize I don't think I actually believe that Jesus is truly human. Now, I would say yes, and I think most of us all know Jesus was human, but do we actually think of him in a way that is human? We may have to do another podcast or two on that in the future and how we can actually follow him. But Paul, at the beginning, you talked about this board that you had made and how this was all about you running and God cheering you on. Mm -hmm. And now you're looking at it differently. How is what this passage is actually talking about more encouraging and helpful to you than what you originally thought? Yeah. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I think you said it well, like really... So the the, main, the primary um, exhortation in this in these two verses is let us run with endurance the race set before us. Um, and so the way that I thought about this verse was like the race set before me was kind of this um, this path to my own glory that God was going to help me with. Um, and I, 
I really was, I wasn't living for God. I wasn't living with Christ. Um, it's kind of like God living alongside me when I needed him. Um, mm. And so that's been one of the biggest things that I think about differently is that what race that, what is the race that is set before me? What's the race that I am persevering to run in? We all work very hard for the thing that we value most. And so the race I was running of what I was valuing most is my own personal achievement in this world of running. Um, and now, um, I mean, taking, just taking what Hebrews is saying, um, you know, the race set before us um, is not just this, you know, trying to make it and not abandon Christ along the way. Like that's, that's good. But what we're running towards is the hope of glory. Mm-hmm. Um, and man, I wish... Oh, there's so much in Hebrews that we could get into with that. But it's this reality that as Christians, we have something worth running towards. We have something worth waiting for in the present. We have something that's worth persevering for. And so when I when I take out, you know, my race that I put into this verse and and really put in what it means, um, this this life of faithfulness to Christ um, that is um, empowered and oriented by the hope set before us, um, just like the joy set before Christ, um, I can run with endurance. Um, and the way that I do that is by looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of my faith. Um, and that's ultimately an encouragement to me because, um, Jesus did it and I can, I can now come to him and be met with mercy and compassion. And, and, and so now I like, um, it gets me excited to come into the presence of my loving father, knowing how I'm going to be received um, and how Christ will sympathize with me. And I can walk away um, with the grace, the favor, the, the, the empowering favor. Um, it's kind of a, it's a, a short way that I've been thinking about um, grace recently. It's this empowering favor um, that Christ is able to give us in order to endure in temptation. Hmm. Um, so it's changed the way that I think about Christ. Um, I think differently about what I'm living for, what the race I'm running is, um, and how Jesus really comes alongside me um, in this. Sweet. Well, thank you, Paul. It's a pleasure yeah. to be here. Yeah, thanks for joining us today, Paul. We love you, man. Love you guys. Thanks for joining us for this episode. We hope it's of encouragement to you and that you join us next time for another discussion. The music excerpts for this podcast come from the song Enthusiast by Tours, which is licensed under a Creative Commons attribution license. More information can be found in the show notes.